The music of Soleil Lossalot, Leping Lag. Thank you very much for staying with us. And as you know, today is a Tuesday. On a Tuesday, we usually have her story. And we do apologize for not bringing the other stories to you. We were scheduled to have a conversation around a cryptocurrency that has been targeting South Africans, which is said to be a pyramid scheme. We will make sure that we bring that to you. And if you are a victim, what exactly you can do. There are agencies around the world that have decided to bar the trade of that cryptocurrency in those uh, in those countries. South Africa has not quite done that yet, but there is an investigation going through. So we will bring that story to you and try and assist you if you happen to be one of those people who is uh, wrangled in all of this. Carrot ba- Bars is the name of this cryptocurrency. They're doing some trading. Uh, some agencies are saying, not in our country. The question is, what is the stance in South Africa? We'll try and sort that out for you uh, in the coming days but now as i said we are looking into her story and the person who we're celebrating today is a fallen hero not so long ago she passed on at 85 and really south africa ought to mourn the life of this very gentle giant clever clever lady strategist at heart her name is jennifer davis she died at 95 she died on the 15th of october um she died on the 15th of october and really this was somebody who assisted this country in particularly in the united states to get uh bans done uh from the products from people from buying the products that were made in south africa she was a revolutionary she facilitated the movement of uh, mandela into the visit into the u.s when he was just uh, four months after being released she really is a giant and we are going to be speaking to someone who knew her very very well um someone who worked very uh, who, who looked at her work and her life very closely donna katzen found Founder, Executive Director for Shared Interest, who joins us now from the U.S. Thank you very, very much for joining us, Donna, and uh, thanks for making the time. Yes, lovely to hear your voice, and thank you for thank you for doing this program. Absolute pleasure, Donna. How do you reflect on Jennifer? Jennifer was one of the pillars of my political, personal, and professional life. Um, as the both as a as a colleague at the American Committee on Africa, and then as a board member at Shared Interest, where she has uh, been a board member for the last sixteen years, she really has been. She has embodied the principles of struggles for justice and deep humanity and untouchable integrity. Uh, she has been a visionary and a gifted organizer and has led tremendous campaigns in a very humble way that many people didn't even know her or know that she was behind mm. them. But in fact, uh, she was one of the main drivers of the anti-apartheid movement in the United States and also uh, the movements for liberation in South Africa and other Southern African countries since the since the 1960s. She has been a driving force and a, and a very powerful and wonderful person. Donna, she she differed somewhat with some some of the, some of the companies that call themselves or you know these people that call themselves revolutionaries in in the U.S. who were calling for not quite a boycott, but a treatment of workers, for instance, in the in South Africa, similar to workers in the U.S. So she she also had loggerheads with those people saying, well, you're not quite revolutionary enough. That's not enough. We want more. We want more action coming from the U.S. companies. 
Well, I think actually um, where she differed most with people in their politics about U.S. companies mm. were perhaps back in the day when the Sullivan principles had some traction. Uh, these were I wouldn't call them revolutionaries, but people <laughs> yes. who believed that companies should stay stay the course in South Africa, continue to do business despite apartheid, and maintain principles mm. that upheld um, the best practices that they had seen in other countries, also for workers in, in South Africa. However, um, her her position and that of the position that prevailed in the anti-apartheid movement in the U.S. was that it didn't matter how it was lovely to treat people well and essential to treat people well, but ultimately the system was so oppressive that work had to be done to eliminate apartheid, not to not to make it better, and so the isolation of an apartheid state and the pressing for a more democratic was what, uh, in fact, she and, and so many others worked for. And it wasn't to say, I mean, she herself had worked with unions. She had the utmost respect and was a ferocious supporter of workers' rights um, and community rights. But she under, she had a big picture. She always understood that the problem was not individual A or individual B, but that the system itself was one of, as she called it, white power and black poverty, mm. and that the system itself needed to needed to go. So, um, and so that that I would say is the position that she she advocated so brilliantly. So, and and the strategy for her was to to target the ordinary folk, you know, varsity students, religious movements, and so on, to get them to move Congress. Correct. Yes, and many other. She was an amazing strategist and campaigner. So, the kinds of constituencies that she helped organize included students on campuses, grassroots people in communities, organizations. I worked with her as a colleague in the faith-based organizations, and she could. She was equally effective on a campus, in a church, mm. in a union hall, and lobbying the halls of Congress. Yeah. And I mean, there was movement in Congress um, that she obviously was responsible for. Where Congress passed a comprehensive anti-apartheid act, which this, what was that, 1986 it was, correct? 1986, yes, C-A-A-A. Mm. I, I, I can only imagine at the time what that must have been like, because as Congress was, was going for this, Ronald Reagan said no, he vetoed it, and then there was a comeback from Congress. I can only imagine. I mean, obviously, uh, I wasn't quite close was to the situation. Yeah. yeah, people thought he was untouchable. Mm-hmm. You know, he was this um, incredibly powerful and um, by for many popular president. Mm-hmm. And the fact that this issue was so important, we had people at the same time as South Africa had people in the streets uh, to make them ungovern- ungovernable in the 1980s. In the U.S., there was a, a kind of reflection, there was a solidarity response, and we also had people in the streets. And legislators began to recognize that their constituents were out there understanding the enormous number of connections that people saw between their own oppression and what was going on in a grander scale in South Africa. And so the legislators, two-thirds of the legislators, <laughs> overrode President Reagan's veto, and the Comprehensive Anti-Apartheid Act became the law of the land. And it's huge, because what this meant, actually, that this Anti-Apartheid Act was a ban of all trade to do with South Africans and American businesses. That That's huge. It's massive. It, it was, and there were other acts after that, there was other legislation as well. One of the most effective um, things that Jen uh, and, and the rest of us worked on were financial sanctions mm. that 
it was not illegal, for example, for banks to have certain kinds of trade and connections with South Africa, mm. correspondent banking relations, for example. But the campaigns that continued in specific cities, like New York, Chicago, Los Angeles, to bring those campaigns and to, to cut off financial relationships, direct or indirect, as long as apartheid remained remained in place, those were also extremely um, extremely powerful. And people in the U.S. began to see the connections. They would say, "Well, it's very interesting that my bank is banking on South Africa and during apartheid. Mm. They're not banking on me. I can't go to the bank and get a loan either." And so the connections that people felt, uh, and in many cases saw their own suffering, racism in this country, sexism in this country, mirrored, as I say, in a grand scale in South Africa, helped them identify. And Jennifer was brilliant at making those connections. All right. I'm in conversation with Donna Ketson, founder and executive director of Shared Interests, and we're celebrating the life of a really gentle giant that's just passed, Jennifer Davis, who was a struggle hero for, for many of us here in South Africa. She was South African. She moved to the U.S. and mobilized massive uh, masses to try and help us in the liberation of this country. That conversation will continue after this. But I will also invite you to call in if you remember Jennifer Davis at all, 891 207 she may have touched your life Donna Katzen is my guest and we're celebrating the life of Jennifer Davis who died on the 15th of October as she was 85 and this was somebody who had given her life to fight the struggle of South Africa out there in the US uh, calling for boycotts of trade between the US and South African businesses and she did that phenomenally well uh, but really mobilizing the masses on the ground to try and get Congress to move and that was really successful. A tactician many call her a fantastic strategist and uh, she devoted herself and her life to fighting the struggle. Also instrumental in getting um, President uh, Mandela at the time to visit, who was not president yet, to visit the U.S., facilitated that move and so on. And uh, Donna, I just want to, you know, one would argue that here was a white South African who really had no business getting herself involved. Just take us to her background, because I think that's where the link is between her non-tolerance of this kind of thing came from, her background and and her family background, her two parents who, who met in Germany, in fact. Yes, and one of her one of her parents who had uh, known fascism in Germany and had, had left Germany, um, in that history imbued her with a very deep sense of justice. Mm. And when she understood the words never again, this must never happen again, she understood them to mean that they must, that this kind of injustice, this racism, this incredible um, fascism, oppression, denial of the humanity of human beings must never happen again. And so in South Africa, for her, that, that, that meant two things. First of all, it meant that she committed herself to doing everything she could to eradicate apartheid both in South Africa and then later in the United States. And it also meant that after South Africa turned the corner and achieved democracy in 1994, that she understood that the struggle was not over. She knew that even though political power had changed hands, economic power in many ways in the country had not changed hands. 
And that broad vision was extremely important. It's what brought her um, to work with us on our board at Shared Interest, where she where she served for 16 years as one of the leaders of the organization in trying to move credit um, and technical support to up-and-coming small and growing businesses, farmers, cooperatives on the ground, and to help move the country's banks to lend to them. Because she understood that, as some have said, political freedom without economic freedom is not freedom. And so her vision was very broad, and her background helped her understand the the roots of political and economic oppression Mm -hmm. and fueled her fire to overcome both. When she was honored in 2011, I mean, I just wonder what that must have felt like. And having just heard what you've just said now, I wonder what that must have felt like when the country that you've worked so hard to liberate honors you while you're alive with the order of companion of a very big personality or tambo bronze uh, uh, badge being honored to you given to you do you know what that meant to her well jennifer was a very humble person Mm -hmm. Um, she never understood or thought it was appropriate (laughs) Um, for anyone to make a fuss over her. She would just say, well, what, you know, why? I mean, there are others who, are, who have done so much more. Mm-hmm. So I, I think, of course, she must have been pleased and gratified, but she didn't talk much about it. Um, we had to hear about it from other people. Oh, my word. Um, she maintained a very low profile and was extremely humble. Um, and that comes through a lot. A lot of people speak of her as somebody who was very, very humble. I mean, steadfast in what she was doing. But as an individual, she was just, you know, in the background, just getting on with what, needed to, what needs to be done in the background without really seeking the attention or the glory, for instance. Yes, and one of the things that, that I've always felt was a hallmark of great organizers, and Jennifer embodied it better than almost anyone I know, is someone who is at sometimes not visible. I mean, mm-hmm. she could get up, she could give an incredible speech, she could lobby, she could be in, in front of the crowd, but mostly she was not particular. She did her work quietly. Yes. She was not hugely visible often. And that is one of the things that helped people mm-hmm. in campuses, communities, um, wherever they were, in their churches and synagogues, help people feel that they were the ones leading. She led from behind and she helped mobilize people in a way that all of us thought this struggle was our own. Donna, she was 85 when she passed, and you've, you've, you've spoken a little bit about what she felt about the liberation, that one, one element was one, but there was something else that we needed to deal with. What really preoccupied yes. her mind um, later in her years? Well, she looked very clearly at the... She, she was not in any way uh, blindsided or... Um, under any illusion about how difficult the country's continuing transformation was. Mm. And she understood the hiccups and she understood the road bumps. But she was very committed to overcoming them, and her long-term view was that these things were unfortunate. Mm -hmm. People would love to have achieved liberation and everything be wonderful and on the road to to success. But she understood that that, that it the continuing work of keeping our eyes on justice long term and helping us believe in ourselves and stick together. She understood that that continued to be necessary. And so, um, you know, it's easy to say that South Africa is having challenge, but we 
those of us who live in the U.S. Mm. Uh, understand what happens when a country has challenges, and we're having so many of them right now. Mm. And so she took a long view of these things and understood that it was the continuing organization, the continuing awareness of people on the ground, ordinary people doing extraordinary things together, who never, ever, ever gave up. I mean, I'm just curious about some of the things that she thought needed to be done to, to correct some of the things that went wrong. Well, we, we understood, um, and she was a, a strong spokesperson for this, that as long as people who are working in grassroots communities still have difficulties making ends meet as long as people have to work hours and under conditions that are um, really, really difficult for them, deny their humanity, that people can't afford or don't have access to basic services and don't have access to ways of achieving either economic stability, um, sustainability, or economic power. She was very, very clear that those were the kinds of systems uh, that, that also needed to change. And that's um, that was the voice that she carried so strongly into our work at Shared Interest and also into the work of our sister organization, the Tambani International Guarantee Fund, which is based in Pretoria. She um, was extremely, she was an ardent advocate of continuing this work and constantly challenged us in doing this work to say, well, that, that particular uh, we guarantee loans mm-hmm. and, so, and provide technical support. And she would say, well, that project achieves a certain level of impact, but, but what about the rest? Maybe it helps um, five or six people and that's wonderful, but what about, what about something that assists more people or that, in fact, transfers, um, transfers the ownership to previously disadvantaged people, not just looking at jobs. Jobs are absolutely critical, obviously, especially now, but understood that who owns and controls the economy is is also a a critical question and part of the ongoing transformation. And she knew it wasn't going to happen in 25 years. Mm. Um, I saw her just two weeks before she died. We had a long conversation, and she really reiterated her long-term view is she said, you know, I'm 85, Mm. but I understand that this will take quite a lot longer and people must continue the work. Hmm. You know, you said you had a long conversation and you obviously kept engaging with her quite a lot. And you're saying that, Mm. you know, she understood that this is going to take a long time. In your view, to those of us who are listening to you and, and talking about this giant, how can every one of us add value to that long-term dream? I think the first uh, the first thing is for us to I'm, I'm trying to channel Jennifer here. I know. Um, I know. <laughs> put together pieces. You know? Yes, it's very difficult. But she was committed to all of us keeping our eyes on the big picture, uh, keeping our eyes on what a just society would look like, both <laughs> both at the larger institutional level and also at the interpersonal level, how we treat each other, how we work together. Um, but understanding that keeping that vision front and center um, and not getting mired in day-to-day disappointments, setbacks, and and obstacles. She also was um, a ferocious voice for the power of people working together Mm. and reminded us often when we forgot that we were able to achieve victories. The believing in ourselves um, was key to 
helping empower us to be there for the long run and not just to give up and say things are things are all too difficult um, and and to have that kind of courage that it takes to both work for a victory and know when it is achieved that it is only the first step forward. Donna Katzen, really appreciate the time you've given us, founding executive director of Shared Interests, as we celebrate the life of Jennifer Davis here on Her Story. 2.30 now, let's go to Utsi Lasaku for the latest in headlines.